they would die in their sins. And he told them that when they had lifted him up, that they would know that he and the Father were one and that the Father had sent him. And at that, many believed. And Jesus said the words of our text. Jesus is saying many things with these words. It begs a lot of questions about discipleship. What is his teaching? What is his truth? How does it set us free? What is freedom? Jesus leaves a lot to be inferred from the rest of John's gospel, from his life, from everything he had been telling his disciples. He leaves them to fill in the gaps. And the danger that was there for them and the danger for us too is that we don't hear him correctly. Or we fill in our own ideas into those slots. What do the, Jew, the Jewish leaders say? It's like they didn't even hear him. Oh, we've never been slaves. They, they're totally not tracking. And I think the challenge is, is that we can't help but bring so many of our ideas just like that to the text, to our thoughts about our Christian life, about our own freedom. So often, we take Jesus at his word and we say, Jesus, I believe that you have been sent by the Father to pay for my sins and that you have set me free. I know this truth and you have set me free, but I sure don't feel like it. Is this what a child of God looks like? Is this what a child of God's life feels like? I kind of thought the liberation would feel a little more liberating. Jesus tells us a lot about freedom, but he doesn't say anything about you never struggling with sin. He doesn't say anything about your family being the spitting image of Christian perfection. He doesn't say anything about your relationships being just the way you want them or that you'll never be lonely or that your life won't be hard and you'll be tired all the time battling temptations within and hardships without. These things have nothing to do with freedom and we harm ourselves and we put ideas into the text when we think these things. Jesus doesn't promise anything about the outward form of our lives except that sin will no longer rule. 
And when we think about what that means for our lives, when we fill in those gaps of the truth and Jesus' teaching, we can get some clues and have a pretty good idea about what this freedom should look like. The best place to start, obviously, is with Jesus and his teaching. When the truth walked the earth, how did he live? What did it look like? How did he speak? What was his experience? What did he do? When freedom was incarnate, what did he do with his freedom? Remain in my teaching. Jesus, with all his words and actions, first taught about sin. From the time of his birth, those who had faith knew. And when he was first proclaimed by John the Baptist there on the bank of the Jordan, Everything was put in context. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And even when Jesus was out doing the miraculous things they expected of the truth and the Messiah, he always managed to bring the conversation back to sin. When he healed the paralytic, the guy who was laying there by the pool, so so close to despair. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? Get up, take your mat. And Jesus disappears, and when he finds him later, what does he say? How you liking the new legs? What you been up to? Enjoying the new freedom? He says, stop sinning. Or something else worse will happen to you. Remain in my teaching. The very fact of Christ being on earth meant that he had given everything up already. He had laid aside all of that which was rightfully his to come down to be here for us. He came to the world he made. And what was his experience? It rejected him. He came to his own, and they rejected him. I don't imagine that that felt very good. And the rest of Jesus' life goes on like this, right? The story after story, Jesus going away by himself, long hours to pray, the bitter tears, the agony. And constant service. When the weight of the world was on his shoulders, when he was about to be betrayed... He tied a towel 
around his waist, poured some water in a basin, got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. And he said, the servant is not greater than the master. If this I have done for you, you should do likewise. Serve one another. Love one another. This is my teaching. And that night, we know how it went down. Again, rejected, left alone by his own disciples, turned over to death by his own disciple. And there, with just a, a couple scattered disciples before the cross the following day, when he poured out his lifeblood for those disciples who continued to reject him. That is the truth. That is the source of our freedom. And that is also what it looked like when truth and freedom walked the earth. So what do we expect from our freedom? We can also look at the disciples' lives when Christ was raised from the dead, he entrusted all things to them. And he said, take these to the world. This teaching, this freedom, spread it out. And what was their experience? The New Testament, the book of Acts specifically, tells us many things about what that looked like. And it looked like washing each other's feet. Like caring for the widows and the fatherless. Taking up collections for Christians who were in need. It also looked like being lowered down through a hole in a wall. In a basket. In the middle of the night to escape persecution. It also looked like testifying to the truth before those who wanted to hear none of it and put them in prison. It looked like ridicule from the world just as their master and teacher had received. The truth is still as unpopular and expected, unexpected as ever. And the devil would have us believe in a different teaching. One that's a little bit more self-focused. Maybe a little more self-care, not so much care of everybody else. The world would have us believe in just about any other truth than one that involves a cross. And our flesh wants us to have a freedom that's just a little bit more comfortable.
And did you notice something interesting about the text, which I think is maybe, it strikes us as a little backwards. And all I can say is, remember Jesus is speaking to those who have faith. He is speaking to you who believe he is the one sent for your sins. You believe that. And to you he says, remain in my teaching. Then you will know the truth. Then you will be set free. He doesn't say, I have set you free. Now, remain in my truth. Be my disciples. The freedom is, is the last bit. He says, remain in my teaching. These words I have spoken about me are truth and life. The things I have done, you should do too. I am the light of the world. If anyone follows me, he will never walk in darkness. Jesus said, do these things. Teach these things. Self-sacrifice, love, service. Tell them about me. And then you'll know the truth. He says, take these things up. Take this cross for yourself. Then you'll know the truth. And then you'll be free. It is in living out our faith that Jesus expects us to find that greatest freedom. Because in living out our faith, we love one another and we love God. And against those things, there is no law. And in those things, the law is fulfilled and God is pleased. And His pleasure is in our hearts. You are free. And it might not be always the way we thought our freedom might be or the way we maybe would have hoped for ourselves. But this faith and this freedom, this quiet little velvet revolution that is being worked among all God's people, has always been what it's looked like. It looks like miraculous things. Things that you never could dream. Fantastic successes. God's power manifest on earth. And also like unbelievable suffering. A kind of glory that the world wants nothing to do with. The writer of the Hebrews, or the writer to the Hebrews, is, is very intent on connecting these dots. And I find comfort in the same string of events. Like my life right now and here is nothing new. God has been working this thing in his people who believe in him from the beginning of time. 
Hebrews chapter 11, what many people often call the, the great uh, faith chapter or the, the hall of fame of faith or whatever you want to call it. The writer to the Hebrews connects what faith has looked like being worked out in the world through all time as God's people have hung on to his promises. It has looked very, very unlikely. And I, I, I don't have the time to run through the whole chapter. But all of them hoped in God and were liberated. Christ, when he hung on the cross, he was hoping in the resurrection. When his disciples were facing persecution and facing their own deaths, some of them by cross, they were trusting in his resurrection. And so whatever our lives of liberation look like right now, that hope, that same hope is ours. And the writer to the Hebrews puts it this way in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful teaching, for this truth that you have taught us and for the freedom you have given us by the blood of your lamb shed for us. Help us to look to you and your word for guidance on how to think about our new lives of freedom. We ask for your strength and your comfort Always remind us of the hope of the resurrection that we have in your Son. In his name we pray. Amen.